Little cough. Hey, be hey. Podcast recording on a Sunday night, live on YouTube on a Sunday night. We had to wait Phil Nicholson to win, John, before we could begin. <laughs> what a day, guy. What a moment. I'm giving thumbs up to everybody that's here. If you're on YouTube, actually give us a thumbs up. It's, the, it's Mickelson's. How, how is that not Mickelson's new logo? Thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. I give him a lot of credit for acknowledging, like, everybody the entire round that he was playing. Yeah, he, I mean, that's kind of his deal. I mean, that's one of his defining attributes. He's, well, he kept uh, his you know, he's he kept I'm his... here for the people. You like Phil, if you Phil walking in his breath. It's like, yeah, Phil also dropped 25 pounds. Sometimes I breathe when I lay in bed and the melatonin's not working and I'm just wide awake. I'll do some deep breathing. And it'll help me kind of calm down a little bit. I do think it works. There've been somebody wrote a book about the difference between breathing through your nose and breathing through your mouth. It helps breathing through your nose. Calm nose you is down. better. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't yeah. read the book, but I heard half of a podcast with the guy. <laughs> That's like most people. It's like you know when I I, I put the book I on. I realized a list. I am a very curious person. I just don't read, and and I'm lucky that my in our generation. You can follow people on Instagram and learn. You can audio books, podcasts, like educational podcasts. Like I, I can learn. I would have been screwed in 1998. It would have been hard for me to grow intellectually. Like yeah. I think Phil's generation and older, you just hear these stories. Like I was listening to this this podcast today at the gym. Lewis House had on the guy that uh, started Lululemon, and his like most people, he's probably in his 60s or 70s. Talks a lot about reading, and you had to be a high level guy later in life, like that generation, like my dad, who his birthday was a couple days ago, you know, guys in their seventies and older, they read, that's how they gain knowledge. I'm we're lucky guy because I don't like reading. Uh, I, I, I know I should, but we don't have to necessarily. You know, it's funny. I was, uh, I was laughing today cause I was thinking I, I my dad, I remember my dad putting in a, uh, a basketball hoop in like, you know, 19, 19- 97 right and i remember him going to get to rent a jackhammer to make a hole in the ground yeah or maybe to get the old one i don't remember maybe he got the jackhammer when he had to get the thing out because he did we, we did we did something similar in uh in Elmacero. and i just remember i thought today i just crossed my mind like i know it's not that complicated of a job just putting a basketball hoop in the ground and mixing up some concrete but in 2021 if someone's like told me to go do it you know the first thing i would have done is gone to youtube just to make sure I had all the, you know, the important steps down, how to put a basketball hoop in the ground. In retro, I was like, well, I don't, he didn't go to the, did he call somebody? Did he just know what to do? I don't, how did he know? Guy, Again, the first not, thing I, wasn't building a rocket ship here, but still. Yeah, I mean, the first thing I'd probably do would be to call someone that I would think would know how to do it and then who they would recommend that I call to do it and how much he'd cost. <laughs> you just, I, mean, you just, I think you just made it up as you went. Alyssa was telling me, that her grandpa put a basketball hoop in her house. When it when they had to pull it out, they couldn't get it out because he mixed nails into the cement mix. Wouldn't to you really me? make it? Yeah, hold. Yeah, I mean, I I guess that's what you got to do with concrete, <laughs> right? I, mean, I, don't I don't know. know. So uh, me either. Shout out to all the people that build this this world without uh, you know how to guys. Yeah, you may, I mean, we're, the best case you had is like you had to go to a library and maybe read something about it. Right? If you were lucky, yeah. If you were lucky, you could find a book. I know. 
So here I am watching YouTube's on uh, the crash of crypto today. <laughs> That's what I want. Yeah, well, I've been watching the actual crash for about five days now. So it hasn't been fun. <laughs> no, it has not. Uh, John, we should give congratulations to uh, the winners, the people who won money in our DraftKings game this last week. DraftKings not a sponsor this week on the podcast, but that's okay. We had fun with DraftKings and the PGA Ham Championship. Uh, I don't know this person's name because it's a bunch of letters, but they've been in a lot of our games. CLC, Brick VK, CCCC won 450 bucks. Nolan finished in second place. Nolan won uh, 360. Makerland won 270. M. Lottman, 180. Josh Noble, who I recognize the name, he bought a hat, won 135. Middle 83. Relation? He's, a, he's Has he not uh, now cashed in some money in these games a couple times? That's John's younger brother, Jeff, won 99 bucks, as did uh, a handful of other people. So congrats to everybody. I see, uh, yeah. Yeah, I saw Matt, Matt Corrick from uh, uh, Pink Onion Pizza, who named a pizza after us, finished just outside of the money, 12th. You see the tall, skinny guy that everyone was making fun of his warm-up? Yeah. Matt Barrick or whatever? Yeah. He is the teaching professional at Karika Park. Yes, <laughs> where we played. We love that place. Yeah. We played He's there once. Pretty, that awesome. guy's pretty skinny. Uh, Brad Merrick is his Brad name. Brad Merrick. Yeah, Merrick. Brad yeah. Merrick. Very skinny, humongous forearms, long elbow. You know, one thing underrated, you sent me the video on Friday of that guy, because I'm watching like... You know, in my head, these guys don't play any like competitive golf. But this guy played a ton of mini tour stuff. Who funds the mini tour? Like, who is? Are there sponsors great, that are? That's a great question. That guy. Think about this. I was texting my cousin John, and I forwarded him the video too. And that guy, non PGA Tour member, can beat every single person in California. Think about that. Like yeah. that guy just put him on a course against every single fucking person in California, non. I guess we don't have that many PGA Tour members that live in California. Phil might be the outlier, and I bet the way he sets it up, he doesn't live here six months, you know, five months and 30 days, not, you know, six months and a day somewhere else. He could beat every single one of them. Every single one of them. That's how good that guy is. Yet he, like, the, this is the crowning moment of his life. He made a PGA Tour, the major. Like, that's incredible. But I think he, I, I was following the leaderboard. He was like third or fourth to the last of the guys that made the cut. Gets hard over the weekend. Incredible yeah. accomplishment, though. He did finish ahead of Bubba, I think, who was like plus 99. Yeah, someone that had Bubba on his DraftKings team and put $25 on him to win. No one, when he slightly gets out of contention, will mail it in. I mean, no one like Bubba. I can't even imagine if they just had a, a camera following him around on his body language slash shots. It wouldn't shock me if he just picks up balls, takes penalties, doesn't give a shit. Think, I, the, Bubba is... An incredible front runner and a terrible, terrible. I mean, guy, he's out of it. Just get ready for like 80-80 over the weekend. <laughs> I feel like he just starts working on stuff like a pitcher in spring training. <laughs> like this is a major. Yeah, I just wanted to see if I could. Golf's hilarious to me. Like when you see straight shots, it's you, I'm surprised. Like it'll be like the course will be made with like a bunch of water on the right, bunch of shit on the left. Then every pro golfer is like, all right, if I can cut it into the wind and play it back left to right. And I'm like, just hit it. Just as a straight line from you to the, just hit it in a straight line. It's like, well, if he can hold the wind and cut it left to right, and then he's going to try and play it off that tree trunk. And it's like, what is going on? There were a couple shots this weekend of gators at that place that were massive. I know the one little gator. Did you see the thing that went viral, like a little gator walking around? They had a couple just shots of gators in the water. Enormous. Like, th there had to be the average size of the gators out there in the marsh. 
I mean, probably like 10 footers plus. It is not just your little like toad gators. I mean, no. these fucking things are huge. Shocking that no one really got it close to one. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I expected to see one in the crowd at the end around Phil. Uh, a lot of football stuff actually to talk about today. We also got a few leftover mailbag stragglers from Saturday uh, because uh, John mismanaged his time while we were recording the mailbag. Or the mailbag went long, depending we on how long. long. It was like it. an hour. So we got some good, actually some good mailbag questions we'll get to at the end of this podcast. Remember, get in the mailbag. Uh, you leave a review on iTunes. Leave us a question for the mailbag in that review. Part of what happened was we, we started explaining advertising, how we think about advertising on the show, and we didn't catch up to everything else. So, but and, when we origi- and when we originally had the idea, it was going to be like 25 to 30 minute for the weekends. They've been going an hour. The mailbags, yeah, that was the original idea. Like, we get something, something easy for people to consume on a Saturday morning and, um, you know. I don't know if we're going to start filtering out mailbag questions, but they're good. So give us good mailbag questions and, you know, you leave us no choice. we got to get to them. Check out the YouTube page as well. Hey, Middlecoff, we, uh, we go live every single podcast. Like, you can watch the podcast. They stay up there to watch it if you want to, if that's the way you want to consume it. And obviously, you can listen through uh, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Wherever you get your pods. Yeah, really. Anything beside Apple iTunes, I can't relate to. I understand what Spotify is, but other than that, I don't. Uh, and then Tuesday, we'll be doing a uh, live stream in the afternoon, around, yeah. uh, probably around 2.30 or so, a little later on Tuesday, um, for good reason. So, uh, uh, yeah, we'll have plenty to talk about this week. Okay, uh, should we start with, oh, I know what we actually got to start with, John. We got to start by telling the people about wineaccess.com slash ham. Podcast yep. brought to you by wineaccess.com slash ham. Our friends, we did what uh, many of you have done. We know because you've, you've sent us some of the DMs and, and shown us. And uh, gotten your your uh, your 20% off. And then we've actually done the – we just keep sending it to people because it's such a great way to, to send a gift. Send it yourself if you want. And it's uh, great prices for fantastic wine at wineaccess.com slash ham. I sent someone the other day uh, wineaccess.com slash ham. I sent actually a couple bottles of, of cab, as mm. they call it in the biz. Good move. Uh, I have a bottle of Bordeaux right here. Uh, I drank the Pinot. I also drank the cab. I can't recommend it enough. Send people gifts. There is no better way to get someone to be like, yeah, this person was thinking of me, whether it be your mom, whether it be your dad, whether it be a business partner, whether it be someone you're in business with, whether it be a a girlfriend, whether it be a brother, a friend you haven't seen in a while because of Corona. You're like, I haven't seen my friend in a year. Shoot him a couple bottles. Then they'll hit you up like, thanks, man. Then they'll call and you'll start talking. You know, a great idea I heard. And by the way, if you're like me and you don't know a ton about wine, each bottle comes with not just a breakdown of the bottle, but um, tells you what it pairs with, tells you, uh, you know, it tells you about it. So you, the flavor profile, you start to learn a little bit as you go. Um, and uh, uh, that's also a great part because you know you're going to get something good. Only one of out of, uh, only one of 18 bottles that they try make it on the website. But a great idea I heard from somebody the other day, he'd been doing this for the last year through the pandemic, but this is something you could try. You know, doing a Zoom with friends. We probably hopefully, you know, you're doing less of that now, but used to do Zoom hangouts with friends. Maybe some of you just want to see somebody from across the country that you haven't seen in a while. His thing was he'll send like three different people the same bottle of wine, and then they would just get on Zoom and hang out together. So you can send multiple bottles of wine to multiple people. You can get great bottles, absolute nails, and uh, great prices. Wineaccess.com slash ham. 20% off your first order. Go to wineaccess.com slash ham. You know what I think of when you say nails? Hmm. Lenny Dykstra. Oh, he was nails. Was that Wasn't his that his nickname? Yeah, I think so. It's a good nickname. <laughs> it is. Nails. 
It's very good nickname. Um, are right, you want to talk about what we witnessed today? Before we got a bunch of football stuff to get to, but let's talk about old man accomplishments for a second here, right? For sure. I mean, Phil Mickelson, oldest major winner ever. Uh, he beat uh, old man, old man Tom Morris, who was uh, forty-eight years old in the books <laughs> and one hundred and fifty years old in the photo. Pretty he incredible. Yeah. I I thought today was pretty incredible. I mean, I, I thought going in, I assumed he was going to lose. Um, I, I just, I, I think most people I text, like, what do you think? And most people are like, I don't feel great about it. We I just told you that on Saturday. Just four days, can he maintain? I didn't think so. Yeah, and it's just the way he'd been playing. You're just like, he can't truly keep this up. And then yesterday, the way he came down leaking oil at the end on Saturday... But I, I know this. The, the thing I admire the most about any successful person is the older you get and the more you accomplish in you know high you know certain industries, you end up making a lot of money. And obviously, Phil, like Tiger, Tiger's an iconic figure and is much bigger than than Phil. But economically, I think Phil's a little bit closer than most people realize. Do you remember? That visual thing that, like, back when Twitter was really humming, like 2015, they used to, like, tweet out this thing of, like, the highest earning athletes over the last, like, 40 years, and it'd be, like, moving graphs. And for a long period of time, like, once Tiger really fucking hit the ground in, like, late 90s, he was the top guy for, like, 15 straight years. Phil Sneaky was, like, a top five guy that whole time, and there were several years where he was, like, 60 to, if Tiger was, like, 100 to $110 million a year, Phil was racking up, like, 60 to 70. He drafted off Tiger and made so much money. And then he finally won a lot, right? And like once he finally won his Masters, then he won a couple more Masters, then he won a British, then he won a PGA. I mean, I'm not, the order's a little off, but he won a bunch of majors. He accomplished it all. It was set. Like Phil was an all-time great. He had the majors to back it up. The only thing he was missing was the U.S. Open, but it was like one of those where it doesn't even matter at this point in time. He was so accomplished. And then his game started getting squirrely because he's old. And he's so rich, most human beings be like, what am I doing this for, man? Like, and no one would hold it against him if Phil just pulled the pedal off the metal. The only experience I have this with, with a guy with a lot of money, and I haven't been around him in over, you know, seven years, but people I know with the Chiefs, every time I see them at the combine, they're like, it is amazing to watch Andy work still. And I, the thing that I admire most about human beings at the highest level of whatever they do is like when Andy got into coaching or Belichick or any of these, like Phil, they didn't get into this for the money. Like when Phil got into golf in the late 80s, I mean, Nance is rattling off that he won the Pac-10 championship in 1990. It might have been the, even the Pac-8 then, but I, I, maybe it wasn't the Pac-10 was in 90. I think. The, the money in golf. Now, if you were a great golfer, there was money, but it was nowhere near what it became. And Phil still clearly grinds at his given profession, I think Brady's a lot like this, where it's like, they ain't doing it for the money or even the prestige. It's like deep down, it's for the juice of competing. It's truly what gets them off. Now, obviously, I, I can't imagine what it's like to get $50 million direct deposits. Maybe they don't get that big, but 10 or whatever, just throughout the year, just become super rich. And, and feel so rich where... Probably most things in his life, I mean, basically are free, right? He has that much money. Like it doesn't, there's nothing. Like he can, maybe can't buy an island or something, but he's worth he hundreds could. of hundreds. Yeah, the right island for sure. <laughs> to keep working like that at his age is, you know, is beyond admirable. I mean, I, I think it's incredible. 
And it's just, it's truly like he's an all-time great sportsman, I, I, I think. When you factor in just he won at 50, I mean, basically 51. He turns, what they say, another month and he turns yeah. 51. Yeah. I mean, when you think about, like, it's, we've talked about, we've had this conversation a lot with Brady over the years, right? Now, Brady is a little younger, but Brady plays a, from a physical standpoint, a much more dangerous taxing sport. Julio, Frank, uh, Julio Franco was like 48. Jamie Moore was old. Frank Gore's like 37, 38, but running back age, that might as well be 44, 45 years old, right? Wasn't, wasn't Nolan Ryan a guy that played into his early Nolan 40s? Nolan Ryan was old. I always thought, to me, one of the most impressive older guys was Vince Carter, who yeah. came into the league in like 99 and played till 2000 and like adjusted his game, right, as his career went on. But he didn't maintain greatness, though. Right. Also, no, he didn't know. He averaged like five points a game the last five years of his career. But still, he was in his 40s. I mean, he was still an effective player. But to win an individual sport like that's what's different about golf is you can't, you know, be past your prime physically like Manning, but have a defense that's great and still win a championship. Not that it's a team sport. Manning deserved that championship. But there's no, there's none of that. There's no, well, Saturday, my other guy carried me and then I bounced back after I rested. There's no, I guess you can take tournaments off, right? If we're going to use a comparison for like NBA players or baseball players taking extra days off. But there's, in terms of the actual tournament, there's no time off that you can take. And then the other thing, I, it's funny, I was watching this video because I, you know, you've been, you got some of those. Uh, turns out it's Melon, not Melon. I didn't know that. I thought it was Melon. Those hats that Phil wears. I didn't know. I just watched a video on their website of Phil. And one thing Phil said is that I don't know anything really about the disease that he has. Maybe somebody can tell me um, that he developed uh, uh, psori- psoriasis. And so with that came arthritis, psoriatic arthritis or whatever it is. Yeah, but he said like it's I don't know it's because of how he lived maybe he didn't take care of himself that's kind of what he intimated, and he said because of that he really had to change his lifestyle and that is the initial thing that got him working back out and trying to get himself in shape and really taking care of himself, and um, he says now we one of the things he said this video was a couple years old but like he feels better when he wakes up now than he did when he was in his thirties. And like, that's the element of athletics that's so different than other areas of business, let's say, where you get really rich, but you still nose to the grindstone for your restaurant group or for your financial advisory firm or for your uh, waste management company when you're 60. Like there is a physical element at 50 years old that he has to keep up with Brooks Kepka that most people in their environment even if they're making money doing whatever it is they do into their you know past their physical prime it doesn't really factor in if you're sitting at a desk right for the most part for phil that's like the desire is one thing to compete you still also have the desire to have to have the desire to work so that you can compete like getting out and playing the games is the fun part how about getting yourself in shape so that you can compete the lonely work john like that's the part to me that's I'm with you. Uh, that's that's what I was thinking about. It's like all the work that guy's put in just so his body can do the things that he naturally has always been able to do. Yeah, mate. We talked a little bit earlier before we jumped on here about, you know, the Tiger moment. You were at Eastlake when he yeah. got his first win that eventually kind of led to this run that he went on of playing really good golf. 
and he ended up winning the Masters, right, the following spring. Like, the, that East Lake was in 18, and then he won the Masters in 19. And he had already just competed in the British Open. Like, it had been, he'd had a lot of momentum. Like, Tiger was kind of back. But that validated, like, that moment of everyone following him down the course. You you just Google Tiger Woods. It's like an iconic photo. But he had been playing really well. And I bet if we just morph back or when you went there, you were on the grounds. Wasn't there a buzz, like, Tiger's playing well? Like, there- but the buzz didn't pick up until like day two, no, day three. Want to win the tournament, but it wasn't like Tiger was just shouldn't have been there. No, right? I mean because that was you know you got to be in the top 30, 30 golfers. just to be there. Yeah, like Phil guy was two hundred to one to win this tournament, two hundred to one, and like that's for guys. I mean that is obscene. Like there was he was never going to win another major. Let guy he was never going to win another PGA tournament. Like it was kind of over. He felt like he's just going to go to the senior tour. I thought today was just that moment of him coming down was kind of his Tiger moment. It sucks a little bit that Tiger wasn't there because really, I was thinking this on my couch today. I always say that the reason the NFL, and there are a lot of different variables on this one, but I, I think Magic and Bird, what they did for the NBA and how basically David Stern got Michael and parlayed them into just what became the juggernaut, I think Manning and Brady helped Roger and the owners lead into this just the success and the rivalry that those two had in the 2000s led to the just explosion in the 10s to Rodgers, to Mahomes, to Russell, to all these other guys and just the popularity of the league. Tiger, like Tiger by himself was enough to carry anything. Like Tiger didn't need a Larry or a a Peyton, but like him and Phil are kind of synonymous with each other even though Tiger clearly is the, you know, superior one. And it just felt like Phil will never be Tiger, but he did kind of like that had to be pretty unreal for him walking down and having that moment. It felt very Tiger-like. Like that would have happened maybe Jordan Speed this week, maybe, but it wouldn't have felt the same. I don't think. I Because I, I it felt like before. a career accomplishment award, but it's it's not a career accomplishment. He He earned it. Right, he he went out and beat. I I think here's how I would say it: nineteen is the most. I, I saw Trey Wingo had a good tweet. He said eighty six was the most magical major ever. Jack winning it in his mid forties at the Masters. Tiger nineteen was the most emotional. This was the most impressive. I do think this was more in a pure golf. I think I texted you this in a pure golf. It was more impressive than what Tiger did in 19. When you just factor in, he was playing well. That's basically like his home course. This one, like, was just carnage all over the place. The, what was the? He won it at minus six. I mean, it was just, it was an the field. And is what did just he stacked. start the day at? Minus seven. Yeah. So he shot one. Yeah, I mean, it was just holding on for dear life. The course, th- this course is just harder than Augusta, right? When you factor in the wind. The wind and just the lack, it's not, you're not as familiar with it. They, they play, they played it twice in his career. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, by the way, Dan on YouTube says, one of my employees has psoriasis and rheumatoid arthritis. If they're on the right meds, very painful. As far as profession, he's an automa- uh, automotive technician. So it's very physically demanding. Just to give you an idea with Phil. I mean, these are things that in most sports, you don't, you're not 50 playing. So you're not, have you ever been around, have you ever been around anyone with arthritis? Uh, my my grandmother had it in her hands. Yeah, yeah. I, I was around someone, my dad's boss, growing up, and it was it would cripple him in his in his knees and his hands. And if at one time I touched it, I remember, and this was a six foot five, enormous man, college baseball player, went down to the ground, was in so much pain. Mm. 
because I tried to shake his hand. I wasn't, you know. Was just you didn't know. Of, I mean, I knew, yeah. but it was just, I was dumb. You know, I, oh. Yeah, it was just a, just a bad, just we weren't on the same page, and it was a bad. <laughs> you know, I, I started thinking painful. about Le, like LeBron too, right? LeBron's just, what, 37? 30, will be 38, I think. Uh, right now, it doesn't look like he's got any sign of slowing down. So, I mean, he's another guy that may be in five. But, but again, you don't go to 50. 50? Yeah. You don't go to 50. Now, golf's unique that way. You can play older. There's no doubt. I'm not saying it's the same as anything. I'm just, you're right. I mean, it was just absolutely. And then what I was going to say, though, I told you this before we started the pot, is like I did feel like there were probably points in time in Phil's career where he looked at Tiger and thought, that's supposed to be me. Like, I'm the phenom. I'm the guy who has all the skill that nobody else has, that can pull off all the shots, that should be the best player in the world for years at a time. And I, I would imagine at times it probably was difficult for him, especially before he won a major. Then he won a major, but then Tiger had his comeback. And I would imagine Phil has some, I agree with you, some significant just career satisfaction. Would he like to have double the major number? Absolutely. But if you told me Phil would not trade his career, uh, that wouldn't surprise me either. I, I think he's got to be to have to be able to do that. He even said, like, I just kept working. I had the confidence even when there was really no evidence that I should still have the confidence. Um, but that gets just, back to what I'm saying. I, I always think about this for myself. <laughs> and you, you never want to put the cart before the horse. Because, I mean, I'll never have as much money as Phil, more than likely. I mean, he's got hundreds of millions of dollars. But if you got to the point where the equivalent of your age, you're like, what am I? Why would Phil keep working that hard? Like most humans, even pro golfers or whatever you're doing, insurance owner, whatever company you had, you would dial it back. Like to me, he's a one percenter of the one percent. Yeah. Like for him to just keep on grind. What for? For who? For what? Like what is Tom still grinding? Like why do these guys? Why will Tiger attempt to make a comeback? They are wired unlike even their own competitors. Like they that's really where are. I think back to back to Phil. I think we'll probably just ate at him at certain points of his career. He goes, I like this guy's a little bit better than me, but I'm dramatically better than everyone else. Like this is crazy. You know, it is what made that two on two tournament between Phil and Tom and Peyton and Tiger so cool. Like they weren't just star athletes playing the sport they're not good at with Tiger and Phil. Like they were cut from this. Their guys cut from the same cloth, right? It's incredible. He's coming back from neck surgery to play quarterback. It's like why, right? Yeah. Tiger keeps coming back for more. Phil, this Brady. Honestly, it was special. perfect. Don't you think the match, like the putting pairing those two, like Tom with Phil yeah. and Peyton with Tiger. Yeah. Even though Tiger's more like Brady and accomplishments, more but like, he's really wired more like Peyton in terms sure. of personality. That's probably why they mixed them. Is because Peyton's a little more light, just like Phil. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Tom and Tiger probably more similar. Yeah. To one another. But. Uh, all right. This is a big week. This is a big week, Middlecoff. Believe it or not, we've got OTA practice. We had Jimmy Garoppolo on the field showing up. We had a little Trey Lance, uh, quote-unquote, all 22, as in all 22 guys at OTAs, and that was it. <laughs> Trey Lance was there. But this week, we get them on the field together. The yeah, I mean, the quarterback comes. Yeah, it, it starts. And, I, you know, finally, we talk so much about leading up. Is it going to be Mac Jones? Who's it going to be? Trey Lance. And then the pick finally happened. And then you just kind of take a, a breath of fresh air, but you're just kind of living in it. Then you have the rookie minicamp, which, I, like you said, I texted with Buddy, like the Bears, they had a full go. 
they had clearly they had enough guys because they were running eleven on eleven. So the Niners were somewhat even an outlier for rookie minicamp. Uh, I think I heard someone else say, talk about another camp that was definitely they had enough people to run full team. Mm. This is going to be like to me the most fascinating part is obviously to me we know one thing Jimmy is going to be with the ones. My question is where does Trey start? Like is is Josh Rosen or Sudfeld or is Josh Rosen even on the team? Is someone else the number two quarterback, or does Trey Lance on day one like he's just the number two quarterback, or is it one of those where he has to work his way up in the team environment? I don't know the answer to that. I, my educated guess would be he probably starts at three. I just think that's kind of a coaching move, like once the older guys get around there. But I don't think it's like I do think players understand in this modern day, like this ain't Bear Bryant, you know Bill Walton days where you got to go freshman JV in college. Like you can just start, even Saban, like true freshman start now. Also, if you told me he went with the twos, I don't think I don't think like Trent Williams going to be like this is weird, you know? Yeah. Also, <laughs> John, it. it'd be one thing if it was. It'd be one What's thing if CJ Beathard or Nick Mullins was there though. Yeah, guys who played games for the 49ers and knew the playbook inside and out. I mean, Josh. I Rosen's think then there, I like, think then it'd be a lock. He'd be the three, right? To start. I, yeah, I I think you're right. It is kind of a coaching thing. It's like, can you really start it like that? But also, who kind of test the player a little bit, you know, just. Yeah, I mean, it's as simple as like, does he know what to do? Like, that's my question. If he knows what to do, he should be out there as a two. Does he know what to do? Well, I mean, he's only been here two weeks, right? I mean, it's, I mean how long has Nate Sudfeld been a Niner? Well, I mean, yeah, he's been, he's actually been at practice probably less because Trey had a rookie minicamp, right? Nate just showed up last week. I would be a little, put it this way, I would probably be a little more surprised if he's running with the twos. But to me, there's no reason. I under, I think it's perfectly reasonable to do it. But if, if you know, we're, we're, we're sitting here, OTAs are happening, and it comes out that he's number three, I'd go, okay, that, yeah, fine. That makes sense. Doesn't mean anything, but it makes sense. If he's running with the twos, I think I'd be pleasantly surprised. But again, there's no there's no mystery to what's what's happening here. One hundred percent. To me, if he's just with the twos, it's like the the race is kind of on. You know, I I didn't watch the F one today, I did. but you know, once they say start your engines, go like you just go. Beep, if you beep, if you start if you start them with the threes, you're cooking the books a little bit. Like you got to you're forcing him to kind of just. It's going to take a little time. To me, you start with the twos day one. Right with the full go team. I know it's not, you don't have pads on or whatever, but you know what I'm saying? Just like drills. Yeah. He is just a fuck up from the guy above him and him playing well from just flip flopping. Right. I mean, he's on Jimmy's heels right away. I wouldn't be surprised. Are there even clear cut twos and threes on this team? Like to me, there's. Yeah, you got the 90. Best. Well, you got, you got 90 guys. I mean, there's a clear cut one. And then the, like, to me, there, yeah, because when you run a practice, there are one, twos, and threes. Right, but what I'm saying is, if I said, okay, separate the wide receiver group into tiers. Yeah, I mean... Tier one just, is easy. It's very fluid. The difference between position. tier two and tier three, I... It's fluid at every position except quarterback. Like, if you have three or four quarterbacks, you rep with a unit, right? The, the positions, like, I can move a wide... I can tell, you know, Chase Claypool... Well, that's not his name. What's that? River Craycraft... Chase Claypool's a real person. He's just not on this yeah, team. Yeah, the Niners would not have Chase Claypool. Uh, River Craycraft could be with the threes, and then all of a sudden they're missing a guy with the twos. They can yank him in. A little different with quarterbacks, right? Because you're a quarterback set, you just know what reps you're getting. Yeah. It's pretty set in stone. But so don't you expect then, I, I mean, 
he might just throw a pass to George Kittle on Tuesday. Yeah, I don't expect that. Like, George ain't running with the twos. Well, I know, but if you're just rotating, there just might be some cross-rotational situations. In drills, yeah, it's all intermixed. I'm talking about team stuff. Like, I I don't think you'll be able to tell anything besides 11 on 11. What's going to get the attention is there's a drill, and he hits Brandon Ayuk on a 40-yard throw. Yeah, but, I mean, you're just going to end up throwing to everybody in drills. To me, when they do 11 on 11, like, I'm, I'm expecting for that type stuff to happen. Him roll out, throw a deep bomb to Brandon Ayuk in one-on-ones. Like, yeah, they're just going to end up. That happened with C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins. Just no one was paying attention, right? Yeah, just people will be com- paying attention n- Not deep bombs, but completions. <laughs> I, I do think when 11-on-11s come out, that will be a big story. That's my that, Get ready for this. The biggest story beside, like, completion percentage and drills and stuff will be who he was repping with in team environments, I think. Yeah, and then the, the second the viral biggest... stuff, like the the tweet outs and the Instagrams, will be like that when they're just throwing. You know, they're working on deep out routes. He's just going to end up throwing to Debo or whoever, or or this. I can see this. He's developing quite the chemistry with Jawan James, Jalen. You know, kind of a guy that oh that guy's on the team. I heard Greg Papa. I was in the car on like Friday, and Papa was like. Juwan James was looking much quicker than he did a year ago. I, I love this OTA talk. It's like, okay, guys, can we just... Yeah, everyone looks, you know, is intriguing in an OTA environment. There is not a team around the league that doesn't have, like, their equivalent of a seventh or sixth Jennings. round pick over the last Sorry. couple of years. I knew James didn't like, sound right. Juwan Jennings. Juwan, Juwan James? Jennings? Jennings. Jennings. Yeah, I mean, he's just as likely to be, un, you know, not on the team as he is to make it. But in a practice setting, when you haven't seen people for a while... And you're not really going to like, what are you really going to say about Brandon Ayuk? Like, he looks sweet. Like, of course. To me, it's the other guys that stand out. It's like, oh, my God. Did you see James Hasty? Or I, I don't even know these guys' names because most of them won't end up making the team. But a couple of them will have moments in these practices. Yeah. Uh, the other big story, I think you're what, right on the I called him story. Juwan James. Juwan James. That's the offensive tackle, right? They got screwed out of $10 million. Uh, from the uh, Broncos? Yeah. 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 The Juwan Jennings video we did last year blew up like a year ago. He's a tennis, Tennessee videos. wide receiver, right? Tennessee guy, yeah. Um, the other story, right, and I think we've mentioned this in the past, but we'll see. Part of the story here is not just, and this is not just for, you know, this week, but it's just over the next several months. It's not just what does Trey Lance look like. It's also... What does Jimmy Garoppolo look like? Not physically, but just how good is he? There have been some Jimmy's practices, as you pointed out last week or a couple weeks ago, have been stories before for, you know, not the best reasons. And I think when we talk about Garoppolo as if injury is the only issue with him, right? It's easy to it's easy for Kyle to say, yeah, look, Jimmy has had an availability problem, so that's why we needed to investigate adding a new quarterback. But I, I think one thing we were robbed of last year by Garoppolo getting hurt is really seeing him for a second year as a starter in the league after everyone else had seen him, after the expectations have been ratcheted up, right? When you couldn't say, well, Garoppolo, yeah, he's X amount of years old, but really as a starter, he's basically a sophomore, right? We didn't get any of that last year. And I think what we keep going back to is a single game that he played week one when he didn't look great and then he got injured and it kind of invalidated everything we saw from him for the rest of the year. 
So that's a part of this story, too. Now, if Garoppolo, you know, the thing that sucks for him is if he goes 20 to 20 on uh, uh, in practice, no one's going to say anything. But if he goes five or six, five or 16, he's not going to go five or 16. But you know what I'm saying? If it's if yeah. it's not good, if, uh, you know, uh, Ambry Thomas picks him off twice or Diamador Lenore gets him like that's just that's going to be a talking point, too. You're which is you're part right. of the challenge for him. Yeah, it's. It's it's going to be hard for him to get credit for the good, and he's going to get a lot of shit for the bad. Like I, when I say shit, like obviously you know we don't know what's going on inside the building. Like Kyle's probably on him, good or bad, no matter what. And I think that's been a pretty consistent theme. Like Kyle did not give him that many compliments when he was playing in nineteen, but that was kind of like a way to coach him. But it is not going to be a story if Jimmy throws a couple touchdowns. It might get written in a story, or if we go to practice talking about it, will though be a major headline. Jimmy throws two picks, Trey Lance shines. Like, that to me has a headline written in one of these OTAs or training camp written all over it. Now, there also could be Trey Lance struggles, Jimmy's fine. Like, I don't think it's like, Jimmy is just, it's going to be, you're incapable to me of really looking remarkable when your physical attributes are somewhat limited in a practice setting. I remember my first practice at, with the Eagles, just seeing Michael Vick, he could just do things in practice that would just get like, oh my God. And if you have a Mahomes, a Russell Wilson, a Josh Allen, I bet if we followed those teams like Rodgers every day over their careers, they have moments in training camp where it's like he just made the most remarkable throw we've seen ever in the history of the Packers, right? Or the Bills or whatever. That Jimmy just doesn't have that ability. Jimmy can just look solid and just, I bet Kyle would be like, yeah, we would have won today playing like that, right? We did a practice. Like that was winning football. But it's never going to be like, Jimmy made this one throw, back of his foot, 70-yard dime across his body, over the other side of the field, over a DB. Like, that's just not happening. Right. That's not Jimmy. Trey Lance does have that. Yeah. I think he's going to have more. He made this one throw on the rollout 75 yards on a dime. Like, Jimmy's arm just doesn't have the capability that Trey's going to have. And he just looks better, and people are just going to... It's just the nature of the business, right? right. People, his, his name... Now, Jimmy still moves the needle, like, from a writing standpoint or a podcasting standpoint, but, like, it just, I, I, people are just going to want to hear about Trey. Well, so they're on the field. OTA start Monday. Media is able to watch them on Tuesday. That's an open practice to the media. Um, and so Tuesday is when we'll start getting maybe some details of what happens. I'm sure there will be, as there was the other day, people scouring 49ers.com for photos of what happened, or maybe the Niners post some things of what happens. Um, and, uh, you know, and we don't get fans out there, I think until camp end of July. Yeah. So it'll, that'll be another interesting one is just what is the environment out there like? And, you know, not that you're getting a stadium full of people, but if, even if I, if I was Kyle and like we were full go, I mean, the whole country is except California, but if, even if we were, I probably wouldn't allow them into the OTAs (laughs) to kind of like, I'd be like, Guido, let's just wait till camp. I don't even know if they have before. I don't remember, but I, that would be something like, let's just tone it down a little bit. Well, because I don't think they've had them like I out just, on that deck, season some season ticket holder. Oh, the, type yeah, thing. the deck stuff. But I mean, you know how in camp when they bring out the bleachers and it's yeah, it's pretty raucous out there for as much as they can get people there. DJ, turn it up. <laughs> I saw when Biederman tweeted the video of Mayo, all those guys, but I saw someone replied. When Biederman had that video that of of Trey Lance at his first rookie minicamp, 
you know, yeah. the DJ booth, you and I have stood over there on the Niners practice field. The DJ booth is right there. And if you're on that, if you're on that second field away from the facility by the DJ booth, it is loud. And someone replied yeah. like, did you add music to this video? He's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm standing in front of these massive speakers. That is something that I bet Bear Bryant's rolling over in his grave because it is everywhere. I mean, there ain't a coach in the country, and that probably includes Belichick. I know it's Belichick because you think Eric Brown and Clovis West has them. Well, he told me that they immediately put a DJ out there. His first ever practice, he told me. So yeah, photos from their practice. I I just think that that's uh, that's a move. What could you you know the days of Pat Hill, Fresno State, very quiet out there, just getting yelled at are kind of over. I think we had music now. Thinking about it, I think you probably did. We didn't when I got to the Eagles, though. But Andy Eagles, didn't? I, I think they have him now with the Chiefs, probably. See you Wednesday! <laughs> uh, John, before we go on, let's tell the people about NetSuite. NetSuite.com slash ham. Offering one-of-a-kind financing program for you right now at NetSuite.com slash ham. Stop running your business on QuickBooks. QuickBooks, more like Kauia Island. Quicksand everywhere. <laughs> The bigger your company grows, the faster you sink with outdated software, uh, software that just can't keep up. Yep, netsuite.com slash ham. Here's the thing. NetSuite helps you automate your business processes and close your books in a fraction of the time. Think days, not weeks, guy. In fact, 93% of the surveyed organizations increase visibility and control over their businesses since making the switch from QuickBooks, like I said, it's more like Keel Island quicksand, to NetSuite. Right now, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program only for those ready to graduate from QuickBooks. I've been telling everyone I know. I said, you use QuickBooks? You need to switch. NetSuite. NetSuite.com slash ham. Operated by Oracle. The scalable solution to run all of your key back office operations, no matter how big your company grows. Head to NetSuite.com slash ham. That's special financing for you graduates from QuickBooks right now. NetSuite.com slash ham. That's NetSuite.com slash ham. Podcast also brought to you by, speaking of business owners, Indeed. Indeed. Dot com slash ham get a $75 credit at indeed.com slash ham offer valid through June 30th right now it is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one two three post screen and interview all on indeed yep with tools like indeed instant match <laughs> giving you quality candidates whose resume on indeed fits your job description immediately and indeed skill tests That on average reduces hiring time by 27%, guy, 27%. You can choose from more than 130 skill sets so you know exactly what you're looking for. I know I got a bunch of people emailing us trying to get hired. You know, maybe need to get you on Indeed to find you. We've got to figure you out what you've got bring to the table. Uh, With Indeed Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates as soon as they sponsor their job post. 73% of all online job seekers in the U.S. visit Indeed each month, according to Comscore Total Visits. Get started right now. Free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash ham. Get a $75 credit, $75 at Indeed, I-N-D-E-E-D.com slash ham. That's Indeed.com slash ham. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Let's talk about John Lynch, what he said about Reuben Foster, a lesson learned. Uh, He said this to Bucky Brooks, right? Yeah. I've got the quote here, John. I'll read it. I don't say anything is a mistake, but I had so much belief in Reuben Foster and my ability to get him. Okay, he's got some issues. I can help this young man out. I can be the one. I'm not playing anymore. 
I'm the I'm in the GM seat. I can put resources around him, all those things. But I think probably I've learned some tough lessons uh, that that's going to be hard to have that kind of influence and have that kind of connection because I'm not his teammate anymore. I'm actually in a different role. Ruben's a fine young man, went through some tough things. I didn't need to put him out there like that. But that's an instance where I probably, my experience, feeling like, you know what, I can get to him. Sometimes you can't or you can't make a situation better because of the dynamics involved. Yeah, I mean, I, I I thought that that was as revealing and as open of a conversation about a player as you'll hear from a general manager. Because for the most part, GMs have no problem talking about a guy they hit on and describe him as years go on and what they loved about him and just describe how well he's fit in and everything he brought to the table. Or about a great player that they loved in a draft that they ended up not taking, but it, it helped, like, you know, kind of... Uh, draw up the the way that they run their draft and they have new processes because yeah. of you know we love or DK, a guy they love we the overthought it drafted ahead before they could get Patrick Mahomes oh we couldn't get him yeah it's stuff we'll like that you that. rarely hear guys just openly talk about a miss and it's a little unique because most general managers if they didn't play in the NFL would have to describe like why the guy what went wrong with the player he can use the angle as a former player, like taking I could mentor him as a human being. And yeah. so it is, it's an it's an easier thing technically to be able to do, but it was revealing. And he even he realized, like, I'm not trying to shit on the guy, but it, it was a disaster, right? An utter disaster for the 49ers. One, because of how candid they are. I think both those two combined are consistently the best quotes in the NFL. I think Mayock is a fantastic quote too. He just doesn't talk that much. And the Raiders just haven't been like he really only talks around draft times, but whenever he speaks, he's just very open. Most coaches and GMs are not very open. Part of this is go back to when they drafted him. He said we would have taken him number three overall. Yeah, He said that. He was the third guy on their draft board, and he was a fantastic player. And I just remember people that had been going into Alabama for a decade plus saying, like, I, we just don't trust the situation. We had taken him off the draft board. And they all acknowledged he was probably like a top 10 talent in that draft. But whether it was his maturity, whether what, the whole package, right? Injuries, they took him off draft boards. And I think that he could acknowledge this. I, I just, you just don't hear that very often. And I, I, and I do think this gets back to the way I live my life. And I was taught at Cal Poly, like you learn by doing. Going into that, that would be something that I'm sure other GMs would have told them, like, yeah, we had this mistake before. We know you can't do that. You have to know guys. You can't hold their hand if you don't have, like, you didn't have any other linebackers in that unit that could have held his hand. Like, John, you're viewing yourself as, like, the team captain. And, like, John, you know, you know, basically laid it out right there. I, I'm not his teammate. I'm in a fucking desk upstairs, you know, in a polo shirt. He doesn't look at me like I'm this – I'm in the Hall of Fame now. But I, he doesn't – Blueberman might not even know that, right? He doesn't look at me that way, and I just don't have the access to him to become a member of his inner circle, Right. You want to become his buddy and hold, quote unquote, hold his hand, help him out. You're going to his house. You're inviting him to dinner. You're doing whatever. You're going out with him on a Saturday night. Maybe there's a situation that he's in and you're the voice of reason in that spot. Well, if you're the GM, what John Lynch can't be like, Kyle, part of my job, make sure Ruben stays on the straight and narrow. I'm going to go out with him every Saturday night. He goes out of club Friday. I'm there. Like GM doesn't get to do that, right? Teammate could do that. It'd be kind of weird if John Lynch is like, I'm just going out. Hey, honey, 
want to make sure we hit this Ruben pick, so I'm going to go out with it. He goes out Friday, I'm going. He goes out Saturday, I'm going. Just part of the gig. It doesn't work like that as a GM. I, I think what he's saying is I realize the limitations of my role. Like, there are just limitations to being the general manager. There are limitations to not being in the locker room or not being a teammate anymore. And some of those limitations <clears> are you don't – you now, a coach, I guess, can control what a guy does on the field to some degree, how you put a player in position to succeed. You have much more control to me as a position coach than you even you would as John Lynch. Off the field, you're saying. Yeah, I just you think just you can all just... kinds of time with them. I just think you your relationship, you become closer with them than John would. Think John John wouldn't job, become too. that close with him. He has other things. You know, there are, there are just other responsibilities he has. He can't make... Ruben Foster his number one priority. He can't. It's just you get too many things to juggle. Well, I, I would imagine this. Kyle Shanahan has a guy that he looks for, and it is the opposite of everything Ruben Foster. <laughs> right? And John Lynch, I think, brought in a different perspective because he played Prize Picks is America's number one fantasy sports app because it's the easiest and most exciting way to get in on the action. While you watch your favorite players in sports, you just pick more or less on two or more player stats. And then the fun is on. Prize Picks has something for every sports fan, from basketball to hockey to League of Legends and everything in between. It's really simple to play. You make your picks, submit an entry in less than 60 seconds. I'll do it at halftime of a basketball game. And I also have some season-long more or less picks on MLB homers. You may remember, I've got less on Otani homers this year. We'll see. And at halftime of your next NBA blowout game, just jump on and go, ah, Steph Curry more than 11 points in the second half. It'll change the game for you. Download the Prize Picks app and use the code HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. That's HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Prize Picks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Butcherbox.com slash ham and another special deal. Free for a year, you get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at butcherbox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it for years on a regular basis. Easily find high-quality meat and seafood. You can trust 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get butcherbox.com slash ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. Butcherbox is offering you free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. With Warren Sapp. And Warren Sapp, you know, was a very questionable individual off the field. And just, but he was an elite player. I would imagine if you were really drinking beers with John, he'd be like, you know, I saw some Warren in, in, uh, in Ruben. And what happened to Warren? He got around John Lynch. He got around Derek Brooks. He got around the barber. He got around Tony Dungy. Like we just had a, I, I was going to mix up. Yeah, I guess Tiki was the running back. And, and we helped it out and we, it worked together. But like John's saying, like you can't, I honestly just, you have to also learn once you go through something like that, like, you know, the risk reward, it's got to be the perfect situation. You know, we, if we well, have any reservations, it's not even worth messing with a guy like that. The also, Antonio Browns, the Reuben Fosters, like, I, 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 
maybe I forwarded this to you. I think I put it on Instagram watching the Colts. Uh, they do the best draft show by far. They just put it on YouTube, like lead up to the draft. And Frank Reich was in, the, I think I've talked about it on the podcast before, was in the draft room and they were just going over guys. And Frank was like, and they were arguing like, I don't think this guy fits my team. And the other guy's like, this guy's good enough to help us out. And Frank goes, just hold up, guys. I have no problem as the head coach taking a risk. I have no problem taking a risk if the guy's a great player. But look at this draft board. There are enough, maybe not great, he said, but just really good players who are really good people. And then we got a handful of really good players who are questionable people. Why don't we just take the really good players who are good people and not worry about these guys? Right? Just avoid them if we can. And it's pretty easy too, you know? Well, that's part of the that's part of the thing here, right? Is okay, it's not there's there's a difference between an, uh, a free agent and a first round pick in terms of how much ri- when you take on let's just, you know, continue with even the a, even a 6th or 7th round pick, yeah, right? Th- there's a risk that you take on. But when you make it a first round pick, that significantly elevates the level of risk because it's, they trade it's an opportunity they trade it up. cost. Right. And they trade it up. Yeah. So they, they put a lot of capital into it. And John Lynch is saying it's because I thought I could help him. Yeah. Because I thought I could help. Him. Not even to talk about by by the way that he had physical physical issues, right? He was a physical risk too. He got hurt a lot. That He's that is a draft. A I, I think it's fair to it was say a double risk, John. The, their their first round pick that that draft could have really derailed the relationship between John and Kyle because it was pretty clear John was really tight with Solomon Thomas and was the lead dog on that one. Now I'm not saying Kyle didn't like him, but John was his biggest fan, right? As a human being, loved him, and Ruben was clear John was driving that bus. So just those first two years when they were not winning. I think if John and this goes back to I, I forward you another thing that. John, he just did the media rounds and he talked about how him and Kyle's relationship just kind of fell together, right? That if Kyle would have ended up hiring, you know, the the arranged marriage that Jed wanted him to do with General Patton and I think Ballard was already hired, but like, you know, those Kudikins. type guys. Yeah, Fitterer, you know, the guy that's now the GM for the Panthers, I think was in the mix from Seattle, Schneider's guy, if I remember correctly. But just guys like that that ended up becoming GMs. And I you know, are well thought of. Like, I mean, the Patton guy, or George Payton, I just call him Patton, I think is very well thought of. People are think he's like a Chris it's not Patton guy. I think it's George Payton, even though it's got two T-T-O-N? Yeah. That's disappointing. But the point is that Kyle had told John, like, I'm not comfortable in this situation. I think if he gets one of those guys, and they do sit... Now, I'm not saying they would have drafted those guys because they had much more experience, right? They bring a different skill set to the table, both those two guys being in personnel for decades probably two decades plus, both of them. But if they had taken the same players and Kyle had just had your normal up-and-coming, like John Schneider, whoever it is, right? Just the GM they had forced on him or that he had kind of just given into, I do wonder if it fractures and it's a disaster. The John Lynch is just easier to kind of get around the mistake and figure it out together. Yeah. You, John you Lynch agree probably, Yeah, I do. And I think John Lynch is probably, I don't want to say he's, more, maybe those guys would have had the same reaction. I, I think it's easy. I don't think we should ever forget that, like, John Lynch played for Mike Shanahan. John Lynch played for Kyle Shanahan's dad when Kyle was a kid. Like, the level of respect on just a basic level that college, he has to have. Huh? High, late high school, college. But you understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah. the level of respect that Kyle has to have for John Lynch, that that nothing could probably change. 
that base level of respect is just really high. And then, and again, maybe Gudekinst or Fitterer would have been just as comfortable in their own skin as John. Probably but hard for that to be the case. I would, I would imagine John, long before he said what he said to Bucky Brooks, behind the scenes said, I learned my lesson on that one. Right? Yeah. I learned my, what he just said to Bucky. I'm sure it's been very clear. Kyle, I, I was wrong about that. Right? I, I do think you have to go through things in any profession to truly learn. Like, it's one thing to go, like, we saw what happened with uh, Mayock and, and Gruden and Antonio Brown. That would never happen to us. And then it gets presented to you, right? The same, similar situation. Like, hey, man, you can trade for Jalen Ramsey in two years. Like, him and McVay, he shoved McVay to the ground. He's losing his mind. He's still the best corner in the league. And you're like, uh, we can get him for a third? Let's do it. And then two days later, he's fighting your coach. You know, you just, and then you go through well, the situation. If if, if it had been reversed and Washington football team, let's say, had traded up and drafted Reuben Foster and the exact same thing that happened with the Niners happened in Washington, the Niners would have signed him because what did John Lynch would have been thinking? I, it wouldn't have, that wouldn't have happened if he was here with me. I can fix him. Yeah. Yeah. And if Reuben Foster would, had never become a Niner, he'd be thinking, man, if, if only we had had him, the one that got away, I could have made that work. I, I just think that most fans and probably most of us on the outside views these guys like, a situation that happens in the NFL or the NBA or any sport that the whole league learns from that situation. I don't think that's true. Most of the time, I think you truly learn from what happens in your building and the others you see, but you can always talk yourself out of it or around it for yourself just because that wouldn't we have truly care. Me. Yeah. Like I think the warriors, for example, like they had some disastrous picks, but then they found like kind of found this Jordan Poole thing, and all of a sudden they're like, "God, they got something." But they're learning from Wiseman that they're going to learn through their own mistakes. And Bob Myers, you can't learn through other teams; you have to do it yourself, good and bad. And just the nature of the NFL, of drafting human beings, and the amount of guys you have to in a given draft, you're going to have ideally. You know, a, a true disaster can only happen probably really high in the draft, probably a first or second round pick. I guess it could be a disaster late round pick if the guy does something really bad off the field because you are rubber stamping him when you bring him into your building. Right. So you just, but you have to learn now they got, what, four years of picks. They've maneuvered up and down. Like, they have a pretty long, just kind of Rolodex of information to themselves of what works and, and free agents and doesn't in their own head. Let's uh, include a quick YouTube comment into this conversation from Ricardo. Do you guys think the Niners will be scared to draft an Alabama player since Ruben Foster might have played a factor in not drafting Mac Jones? I don't think so. I, I think a lot of Alabama guys turn out to be really high-level guys, right? Like guys you'd want in your organization, hard workers. Um, so I, I don't think that would change that. And, and I think coming out of Alabama, Ruben Universal, like everyone had the same opinion on him. Now, John's opinion was, I could save it, but he knew what he was getting. It's not like saving was like, it's bullshit everything you read. Because remember, he got kicked out of the combine. Yeah. Remember, he attacked a, at the hospital because he was tired of waiting in, in line, which, you know, listen, I'm impatient too. I, I was like, you know, but it was clearly with him, I think around the league, like, Drifter, of course it was Ruben Foster. It was one of those, of course it was him. And that was something now that would be, a ma I would imagine, a major turnoff to Lynch, where at the time, like, I just think he, it didn't bother him. And you only truly know till it that phone call that he got really the one time that he got arrested the first time, but to me on the road trip when it's like, hey, uh, John Ruben's been arrested like that, 
that scars you for life. When he was on a now, zero now, tolerance, you know, here, here would be here would be the pushback. Can you still have like a honey badger moment? Like, are are you out on all these guys completely? Because there are now you could argue that honey badger is an all time outlier. Like he went from a guy kicked out of LSU to being like, is he going to go to the Hall of Fame and like the highest character guy in the league? Everyone loves him. He's like a team captain for three different teams. He he's the outlier on the opposite side. But there are a lot of guys in the middle. People with questionable pass, questionable, you know, like Marcus Peters is a guy that kicked out of school. Now he's bounced around a little in the NFL, but he's but John, he's remember, played for he, really good teams. I remember, a good job. I remember after he'd been kicked out of school, I was in Seattle, drove by the stadium. Maybe I was doing a basketball game, or that probably wouldn't line up. I don't know. I was there for something. And they, a pro day, right? They had yeah. So maybe it was maybe it was it wasn't baseball. I don't know. But they had a sign outside their stadium that had. Marcus Peters on it as well as somebody else just like kind of a good luck in the NFL type situation I think he did come back for their pro day like he and Pete he did got on the same page I don't were you there or was that was after uh, you were out of the league that but, was after but I remember it happened but he went back was, yeah like Chris Peterson whatever they mended fences and he was back I, that was significant so yeah that's a good example speaking of questionable how about the rumors that uh, Julio Jones wants to go play for the Patriots um there was a report from NFL Network that the Patriots have had internal discussions about Julio. And then Michael Holly, uh, did Michael Holly write a Patriots book? I own it, yeah. I own it too. He said that Cam is a draw for Julio, that Julio wants to play with Cam Newton in New England. I saw the athletics suggest you could do like Nikhil Harry and like a third for Julio. And then in the end, I love they do like all these draft op, uh, trade options. And then in the end, they're like, we would accept none of these offers. <laughs> the one someone DM me, he's like, I'm a Patriot fan. You know, we've done a good job drafting DBs and developing DBs. How about Gilmore, a team they're going to try to win. Yep. They need DBs. Gilmore for Julio. My thing is, and listen, the Michael Patriots are trying is, to win too and, Julio, and Gilmore's still good. Yeah, to me, Michael Hawley's clearly pretty locked in up there. My question is, his statement that I read was like he's he wants to play with Cam. Yeah, that to me, I you know, and I Julio, I think is famously kind of like he's able to say this when you're Julio and you've accomplished a lot. But he's like Trevor Lawrence, like I don't watch football. Like I'm, I'm not that I, I like playing, but I'm not like a football junkie. And you're Julio. I was like, oh yeah, whatever. He's not that into it. You know, he shows up and he's fine. Sure, it looks like he's but into it when he plays. So cool. Yeah. And Trevor said it was like red flag, but so if he like does his camp, like I, you know, I maybe we just send you some cut ups. You watch a couple clips of of Cam. I also saw in Roto World that Cam had gone to work with someone to try to get back to his fundamentals, <laughs> uh, even though he's never had great fundamentals. But to me, the issue with Cam watching him last year was like he'd always had a weird release if his shoulder was messed up. And I remember people in the NFL, like when he was out there and anyone could have had him, but even before Bill signed him like last year for $500,000, the worry in league circles was not like, remember he had a bad foot and he had a bad shoulder. And people were like, yeah, we think the foot's going to be fine. And it was clear, like his foot, Cam can still move, right? Cam, he was pretty dynamic with his feet. They thought his shoulder made people very nervous. It was never going to be the same. I think it's fair to say if you watched him, you went, is it ever going to be the same? Now, Bill brought him back, right? I, right. I, I know Bill's a little desperate and didn't have that many options, but like, wouldn't he have just signed Fitz? Like, I, I just, I have a hard time thinking if Cam's shoulder was screwed, they would know that and he would just move on. Like, I, they must think that like it, it could, he'll be okay. He just might be an erratic guy, which he's always been. 
couple SEC guys. Eight touchdowns, I can see ten them. picks I can, last year. I could see them just running in similar circles, maybe crossing paths and just, you know, pretty badass big motherfuckers liking each other. Yeah, I mean, maybe he thinks the team's going to be good. Maybe he doesn't actually, maybe he just wants to play with Cam and he's not too worried about winning a championship. Maybe well, he maybe, just maybe to, Cam's recruiting him. Maybe Cam's recruiting him. Maybe he believes in Cam. Maybe he just wants to try to, maybe he's tired of listening to several weeks of, oh, the Falcons are going to trade him, the Falcons are going to trade him, the Falcons are going to trade him, and he wants to get some of his... Uh, some of his rumors out there and maybe create a little bidding and have some control over the situation. I mean, he is under contract, but I also would imagine, you know, you, you are going to want to know is Julio going to try and hold out and get an extension before he comes here. And so Julio might have a little power here. A la Trent Williams, right? Um, I don't know how many Atlanta Falcons are in the hall of fame, but Calvin Johnson got in and I, I, their stats. I have to, I mean, obviously he retired early, Eugene Calvin Robinson, Johnson's a Hall of Famer. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if he made it. He's in a Super Bowl. He's in a certain Hall like, of Fame. To me, Julio is... I know Dion's probably their most famous player ever, but really he left and became famous like the Niners and the Cowboys. I mean, I know he was famous on the Falcons, but is is Julio the Falcons' most prominent player in our lifetimes? It feels like he is. And they're not exactly... I'm with you. Like They're just... We're going to trade him. We're going to trade him. Like, is this really how you treat great players? And I know new administrations don't care, but if I was Arthur Blank, can, can we just quiet this talk? Remember how the Carolina Panthers did did Cam? It's like, guys, to me, you treat your legends a little bit differently. Like, come on, guys. Let's just, if you're going to trade him, trade him. If you're not, stop fucking talking about it. If I was Julio, I'd be a little perturbed. Like, guys, I've given you everything. You're just going to talk about me like this? Yeah, I think part of it, right, is that it has to be post-June 1. And so it just kind of lingers for a while. It's a little out of their control. Once also, they made calls, and you're not going to pull the trigger in like April. But it's the, the conversation has been going for a couple months. There's nothing else to talk about. But I could just, if I was in Julio's shoes, like when you're living it, you don't really you, just be pissed off. Like, is this? Are we serious right now? Yeah, I, you know, I could see if you're him. By the way, um, the Falcons on their website have a slideshow of Falcons busts in the Hall of Fame. It's eight total people. Uh, Bobby Beathard is one of them. Eric Dickerson, who spent four games as a Falcon in 1993, is one of the people in their slideshow. Chris Dolman, who I don't think spent much time, two years in Atlanta. Okay, that's better. He wasn't his last year in the league like it was with. So it's a pretty weak list. It's a pretty weak list for the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. Um, Well, because Matt Ryan probably ain't going in, right? I'd say if sure his career ended today, he's, yeah. Chris Dolman, yeah, I mean, he spent the majority. Chris of Dolman's the a superstar pass. Right? Yeah, I mean, Chris Dolman yeah. was he was a Niner for a little bit. I'll give I'll give him credit for Dion, right? They drafted Dion. Remember that draft? It was like they let uh, him play for the Braves. Wasn't it like Aikman? I forget the order, but Aikman, Barry Sanders, Dion. I just remember it being like the four of the five picks were like Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer. I think it was 89. NFL that was draft. the Tony Mandridge draft because that guy was on the cover of SI. Yeah. yeah. Derek Thomas. Did you say Derek, Derek Thomas? Derek Thomas, yeah. Uh, four of the five, top five Hall of Famers, pretty good draft. Yeah, yeah. And Steve Atwater went 20. But, yeah, I mean, look, uh, part of this has to be, I would imagine Julio's agent has a pretty good idea of – you know, I know like the, somebody the other day, the Niners had the best odds to get them in some sports book. Is that based on intel or is that just based on what people would bet on? I would imagine, you know, 
Niner fans, they'd be pretty active on that one. Just people have been following the Niners. Feels like Kyle Shanahan a fit. There has to be some stuff you just don't know. Like the books had no clue Phil Mickelson was going to win the PGA. Like they, they might just not know. Yeah, but that's go, right? to, that one's total chance, right? This one, they would have an idea maybe. Potentially the agent would know who's interested, who's not. I wonder if like the Patriots are the are the best team among teams that are actually seriously interested. I don't know. Now, like you and I have talked about, wouldn't be shocked if the Rams are interested. Wouldn't be shocked if the Niners are interested. Wouldn't be shocked if the Seahawks are interested. Wouldn't be shocked if the Colts are interested. You would think there's some pretty interested teams. Packers. Yeah, but maybe he doesn't. Maybe there's just a variety of things that he doesn't like and goes, no, I think we can be good. I think Cam, while not MVP Cam, is going to be better than eight touchdown, 10 interception Cam. Um, And I, I could go play for New England. I mean, maybe he likes, you know, likes Saban, likes Belichick. We, we know he can play for that kind of guy, right? So, be a big moment. Belichick gets rid of Nikhil Airy. He gets Julio Jones. That'd be pretty crazy. Be a, Julio Jones, pretty good pivot. Patriots. <laughs> it would be wild. And here's the other thing: you Julio Jones. You think, oh, I can help? If you're him, you're like, of course, Cam threw eight touchdowns and ten picks. Look who he was throwing to last year. Yeah. Now we got these tight ends. I'm there. Like, yeah. What would be the sweeter Alabama connection? Tua to Waddle or Mac to Julio? Mac to Julio. I can't even imagine when you walk in Alabama's, like, where their sweet stuff is, their NFL players, the amount of just every kid is going to know 90. You know, sometimes you go into some of these facilities, you're like, what's that guy? He's like, oh, he's a it's like, oh, you got like, three <laughs> offensive linemen went in the front top three rounds in the last six like, years. Yeah, we had, we had uh, between first and second team all pros, we had six guys on offense. At all the same oh, position. <laughs> this is all receivers. If Mac or Tua turns out to be a really good NFL quarterback, they're pretty set. I mean, they are obviously already are. Who said Alabama, being, you mean? Yeah, having like a sweet quarterback to go along with all the other positions. I mean, all these guys playing Madden, like Derrick Henry's become a pretty big superstar, right? I mean, he rushed for like two grand a year. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like having a sweet running back is a pretty big, like just a guy that a bell cow who just is sweet. As a video game player, you always wanted it. Like, a running back was equally as important as a wide receiver. There's no better combo, though, as a guy that's big enough to run through people and fast enough to run away from people. Yeah. You know? Um, but as it relates to this, you're right. I mean, Michael, to me, that it's Michael Holly, it's not nothing. Yeah. I think it, I think there's smoke there. And, well, I guess there's fire there because there's smoke coming out. If you're the Niners, would you want him to go there? As opposed to, like... Having him yeah, on the Rams to, or the Seahawks? T- to me, you do not mind him going to the Colts or the Patriots. You do not want him on Seattle, L.A., or to be even Green Bay. You give you With give a little Green Bay. I mean, you don't mind him going to Green Bay if they trade Rodgers, but I they will but why not would they trade. Do, yeah. No, you wouldn't. You would do that for Aaron. Or unless you just come out very spiteful. Wait till you see Jordan Love with Devontae and Julio. And he's airmailing. That could be a disaster. Actually, that could make it look worse, right? It could make it look worse, yeah. I don't think we're at risk of that. But I'd love to see him on the Patriots. I think that'd be great. Uh, John, before we get on, we got some mini mailbag stuff to get to and some YouTube comments to address. Let's tell the people about trueniagen.com slash ham. That's T-R-U-N-I-A-G-E-N.com slash ham. True Niagen fuels the body's energy engines maintains cellular metabolism, and even supports heart health. 
with 11 published human clinical studies and backed by Nobel Prize winners, True Niagen is a supplement that's clinically proven to best boost NAD levels, an essential coenzyme required for cellular energy and repair. Yeah, I know this guy. I used to feel drained. I went to the uh, Stairmaster yesterday for an hour and 30 minutes. I just put on golf and I just no. went and put on headphones. I an swear. Hour, 90 minutes? 90 minutes. That's now, a great start. Sometimes I'd lean over. Yeah, it was, it was it was no joke. And I used to feel very drained, but not anymore because I love True Niagen. It fuels my body's energy, maintains cellular metabolism, and it supports heart health. I have more energy. I, I was energized all day. I was bouncing around You're the like walls. Like Phil Mickelson. It was no joke. I'm like a mini Phil, a bald Phil. TrueNiagen.com slash ham. Use the code ham. That's True Niagen, like you guys said, T-R-U-N-I-A-G-E-N.com slash ham. Then use promo code ham to save 10% on your first purchase. TrueNiagen.com, promo code ham. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. TrueNiagen.com slash ham. So the other day, we were doing our mailbag on Friday, Saturday, and uh, we ran out of time. So I thought, let's uh, let's circle back, John. And uh, before we get to a couple YouTube comments, let's, also, let's, let's get to the mailbag. The finish up. What uh, what was not finished, and uh, give give people their their due for taking the time. We appreciate you uh, taking the time uh, and uh, putting in questions. Okay. Oh, Trey Young hit a game winner to beat the Knicks. I got point nine over here. He's screaming at everybody. Games with <laughs> he just beat him. Spike. Tell I just Spike saw Spike at a Yankee game the other night. Spike's been living, dog. Spike's out. Oh, I must be watching the highlights. Am I watching the highlights? Yeah, he missed. Okay. Knicks lose. Bye-bye, Knicks. I mean, it's game, it's game one. one. That wasn't a play-in yeah. game. <laughs> All right, John, here we go. A few... I uh, like single elimination. A few a few leftover mailbag. Little mini mailbag is what this is. A little mini mailbag. Uh, and let's, uh, let's begin here with NC State. It says, please rank the top 10 Super Bowls based on entertainment value. It's not a deep dive. It's just one Google search. You started to get defensive before we even uh, said we wouldn't do the top 10. It's not a deep dive. It's a Google search. Do the last 10 if that's too much. I, <laughs> I appreciate that. NC State, thank you for the uh, top, uh, for the uh, five-star review. Rank the last 10 Super Bowls based on entertainment value. Well, let's, I, mean, I mean, I think it's I think it's hard to do the 10. I mean, let's just do the think in the immediate future. Two of the last three were terrible, right? I mean, this year's was bad. The Patriot Rams one was pretty terrible yep. too. I, I would those, say those two were bad. I think you got to go top. You got to go last ten years because if you do last five, then you leave out Seattle beat New England, which to me is number one. Seattle beat. I'm New sorry, England? New England beating Seattle. You'd put that over twenty eight three. Yeah, because the problem with twenty eight twenty eight three was incredible, but it wasn't. It was twenty eight to three at one point. Like he yeah, said, based uh, on entertainment value. That means I was bored for a half, for three quarters of that game. It's pretty remarkable, though. It's amazing. I personally, to me, my most indelible Super Bowl memory is knowing that Marshawn Lynch was going to score a touchdown, and then they didn't give him the ball. That's the Malcolm, height of- Malcolm, get in there. The, the, the NFL films of them getting Malcolm Butler in the game. Yeah, that's You're right. right. But you could, no, look, 28 to 3 is 28 to 3. Like, but but what is the moment in that game? I, I think the Malcolm Butler interception, probably like a top two or three Super Bowl moment ever, right? I mean, guy, he picked Russell Wilson off the one-yard line to win the game. I would put that above, would you put that above to, Eagles-Patriots? Nick Foles? Philly-Philly? 
Yeah, because that did happen early in the game, but that was a remarkable game. God, the Patriots played in probably three of the best ones of the decade, right? Well, if we go last 10 years, were, you the, were, the, were those three better than Niners Chiefs? Um, it's a good question. I mean, Wasp. Wasp. B. Emmanuel Sanders. Because um, the Seattle Bronco game sucked. The game I went to, uh, Broncos, Panthers kind of sucked. Yep. Uh, the Rams Patriots sucked. This year's sucked. Ravens Niners was like was kind of like twenty eight to three. It like sucked and the lights went out and then it was good. The difference is that I never strong, really but... felt the Niners were going to win, even though I guess they were on the you know ten yard line. What was that the year after Niners uh, Ravens Seattle? Yeah, Broncos? Se- Seattle Broncos blowout. So I'd say that the top four would be in some order. Probably Seattle one. This Malcolm Butler pick one. 28-3 or Eagles, 2-3. N- Niners Chiefs was pretty good. Just a solid throughout Super Bowl. Yeah. But those, those three are well above Niners Chiefs. Really, the ni- what's the defining moment in Niners Chiefs is that pass? Yeah. Wasp. And just Andy win the Super Bowl? Yes. Yep. What would be five? Um, I mean, <laughs> it, was, it, it was a long time ago, but it fits. Yeah, it was. I watched it on TV the other day. Giants-Patriots was... Super Bowl 46, we just had Super Bowl 55, so this fits in the window. That would probably jump Niners Chiefs then, right? Yeah, I mean, they were undefeated. No, it wasn't the undefeated team. That was 07. Oh, you're right. Okay, that was the Super Bowl I watched the other day. But it was the it was the rematch. Uh, Eli had just beaten Rodgers. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, it was a pretty good game. Remember Manningham, I think, uh, or... Was that the helmet catch, or that, that was down the sideline? Manningham there, there was, was down. Manningham, well, it was both of that. Manningham was down the sideline. Yeah, I think Tyree was. Was Tyree the Tyree was the, game? 07. Yeah, it was the first one. But you're right. He, I, they were both. Eli to Manningham's games. one of the greatest throws in the history of the sport. Yeah, the game's up there. I don't think Eli. Is it crazy to say Eli doesn't get appreciated for legendary two legendary Super Bowl wins? I've in like. I think in Giants territory, his respect level is really high. Yeah, for sure. And that, I mean, ultimately, McAdoo got fired because he treated Eli poorly. <laughs> Strictly Geno that. Smith. Like they just thought, yeah, they benched Eli, and then Eli had too much pride to, like, come in at halftime. Remember that? Or, like, dress. Something weird happened that week. The Raider game? Well, they wanted him to make the starter the next week, and he, like, yeah, that's what it was. Back, you know? They broke yeah. the streak, but then Geno was bad, and so they wanted to bring him back the next week. I think, yeah, you're right. And he was just like, let him keep starting. <laughs> It was a bizarre deal. Mini mailbag next up, KC the OC. KC the OC says, as a Raider fan, I'm interested in if the Niners trade for Lance would be the worst draft day trade in history if Justin Fields kills it. Looking at the draft, I don't really feel Lance would have gone before them at 12, and they were hyped into a situation to jump. I think if the Niners had gotten Fields, kept their original value, then great draft. Jump up that high, you better be right that you got Mahomes part two and not Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think they could have got it. either guy at 12. We know they couldn't have got Fields at 12, right? Yeah, he went 11. Uh, I think Trey Lance, no chance, makes a pass, you know, six or set, like someone's taking him. But that's uh, the hypothetical. The question is, if Fields turns out to be a star, is this one of the worst draft day trades ever? It just depends how good. If Lance is Trubisky, yes, it's one of the biggest disasters in the history of the league. If Lance is Deshaun it's, Watson, but Fields is Mahomes, I think you live with that pretty well. Not, pr- I think you're pretty good with that. 
if 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 Lance is Trubisky, if he if you get the equivalent of what Trubisky gave the Bears, it's a bigger disaster than it was for the Bears, given what you gave up, right? Yeah. For as bad as it was for the Bears, they went from three to two. Times five, what would you say? Yeah, I mean, the the it's just so. Is he really going to be times five? It's like it was. They passed on Mahomes. See, you you believe he can't suck. I do not believe that. No, no. I'm not saying he can't. Trey Lance? Like, he can't just look terrible. I'm not saying he can't look terrible. I'm just saying Trubisky, it wasn't just Mahomes. It was Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Yeah. So that's where it's hard for me to go. It's that times five. It can't be Trubisky times five. The the crazier thing with Watson is they played in the same conference. Right? It'd be like if there were two FBS players. Right. And you're like, you know, we took the dude from South Dakota State over. You know, it's like, you took Deshaun Watson. He just beat Saban. You took Trubisky, who was a one-year starter? Yeah. It was bizarre. I, to me, Mahomes, I give kind of everyone a pass on. The Watson thing, like, they evaluated Mr. Trubisky was a better NFL prospect than Deshaun Watson. That's like, pretty crazy. But we don't talk about, you know, I mean, it's kind of weird because Goff had a good year and Wentz had a great year. They're both gone. We just talk about the fact that it didn't work out for those guys. We don't talk about the, what you traded up to get them. I think when you make a big trade up for a guy and it doesn't work, it's th- these trades. Usually, when like think of the last several guys that have been traded up for, Wentz, it kind of worked out for the Eagles, so you didn't get totally crushed, right? Uh, I think the two guys that have really worked out were Watson and obviously Mahomes. Most of them have gone well. To me, if you miss on, well, that, even RG three is an example, right? Like again, it's complicated because he was the rookie of the year, but in the end, the failure was that he wasn't. He's not your starting quarterback. Not, I mean, it's yeah. also a failure that you traded a lot for him. But I do think they got a little credit as like they just have it stocked that Cousins was there. The, well, the other thing was the problem with Trubisky never looked as good as RG three looked. No. Well, I, I just think the gap between here's where Trubisky did get compared forever with those other two guys. You like we he is going to get compared specifically to Justin Fields, just because I think physically they're similar, right? right? Mac, no one wanted Mac. Yeah, and two and two other guys went ahead of him. That's a whole other thing. For the yeah, Niners, like, the guy is Fields. Yeah. Uh, on YouTube, East Bay Chris says Tyree was the helmet catch. Yeah, so Ty, no, I know the, that was the great catch. The Manningham play though, down the sideline. That's the great throw. Really, when you think about it, to the to the point that with Tyree, which we agreed was 07, right? Yeah, um, helmet. Wasn't there another uh, throw in the second? I Patriots thought there were three game? throws, yeah. There was the Tyree throw, and then there was two throws, I thought. Was there a touchdown throw in the second Super Bowl from Eli that was incredible? There was a touchdown throw the game winner to Plaxico in the first one that I remember in the corner of the end zone. Yeah, you that's know, the one. Where, but that wasn't easy. That was Plaxico, that, that, Burris, that was yeah. touchdown, What's the play? What was the catch that Edelman made that's so legendary? Was that against the Falcons? When Edelman was against the Falcons. The ball gets deflected up in the air, and he goes down and picks it off the ground. You know an underrated Edelman play that I watched the last six months was the punt that barely missed his finger or knee or, or foot against the Chiefs? Yeah. <laughs> that would have just been a disaster. Then, like, two plays later, I think they score. It was just... Should have touched them. It didn't touch them. They, you know, that, that play was crazy. Edelman's been a part of some crazy shit. I'm just going back here on the. Yeah, there's not really a. Now, there wasn't really a touchdown throw in that second. Maybe it's the first Super Bowl we're thinking of where he had a sweet touchdown throw. Eli. But you're right. There's a third throw we're not thinking of. 
Yeah, I, I can't remember it. But Eli's made some throws. Uh, no, it wasn't. There wasn't a touchdown throw. So there's just some other throw. Maybe it was over the middle. Maybe it was the Tyree catch we were thinking of. I don't know. I feel like there was something else. Someone will come up with that. Um, did we finish answering that question? Yeah. No, it can be an old, it can be an absolute disaster, and that's what KC the OC is rooting for. <laughs> As a Raider fan, I'm very interested in the failures of Justin Fields. I appreciate that. Uh, and uh, Trey Lance. All right, this is from uh, PJ1531. Uh, curious your thoughts on the uh, looming quarterback competition and the t- eventual takeover by Trey. What do you think the vibe is from the rest of the team during offseason training camp? Some guys rooting for Jimmy to bounce back, other rooting for Trey to come out swinging and take the job sooner rather than later. These guys should be smart enough to see that Jimmy's ceiling is capped and that Trey's ceiling seems like it has the capability to shoot through the roof. Also, I'm digging this YouTube grind. Only problem is it's tough to lock in on the live shows uninterrupted. I got no patience to wait until after work to listen to it and need it ASAP. Problem is I'm a CHP officer in the South Bay, so I got to pause for every ticket I write. So I'm always a little behind on the live recordings. Keep killing it. So if you get pulled over by PJ1531 and he's like about to give you a ticket, you got to give him the secret code, which is promo code HAM, and then you get out of the ticket. So anyone that gets pulled over in the South Bay... Say promo code ham, and maybe we could un you know unmask this uh, this ham fan down uh, driving CHP. That'd be incredible. What was the question? I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention. To be completely. Uh, do you think the guys on the Niners are rooting for Trey or Gotcha based on the, the his ceiling? I, I my guess would be any person in that line of work especially a veteran player, they've seen most players will be pretty candid on this situation. Like, you know, you kind of got to prove it on the field before I just anoint you as a guy. Right. I, I think you could early on with Bosa. Remember some of the quotes like Joe Staley is like, God oh, damn, I think we got something. <laughs> I remember Joe Staley in camp was very, very just outspoken about going against him. He thought that he was pretty talented. But then once the game started, it's like, OK, this guy is really something. To me, to really validate yourself with a coach or a veteran player, you have to do it in a game. Because if you've been around, I would say anything longer, like five years, you've seen guys come out of nowhere and you've seen a lot of hyped guys shit the bed. Yeah. Right? So you just, you become like Trent Williams, for example. He's kind of seen it all in Washington. Or Joe Staley at the time when he was still here had seen it all. Good and the He's seen the Bowmans and he's seen the A.J. Jenkins. So you're just like, let's, and like Matt Braid has come out of nowhere and other Joe Williams not make the team. You know, you just, I, I think you're somewhat numb to it, though this is a, you, you know what's on the line when this kid's walking out, but you just like, he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. You're not going to say that until you see it as a player. I, I do think there is some element, though, of you don't really have to root for anything in particular. It takes care of itself, right? Well, you might. What, what if you're friends with Jimmy? Well, like yeah. Well, well obviously, if you're friends with him, you want him to succeed. But I think sports is filled with people that you like and people that you don't like. And once you start the competition, it doesn't really matter which one you like and which one you don't like. It's about who's going to help us win. When I think if you're a guy on in, on an NFL roster in any situation and you went to, it would still ring true at North Dakota State, but if you went to a Power 5 school, or just a Division One school, Nevada, Fresno State, right, UCF, every single year, 85 scholarships in Division One football, so that's non-Power 5 and Power 5, you're bringing in 20 to 25 guys a year, right? More people than even are going to come in on a draft class, 
and several, if you're not the quarterback, are going to play your position. So if you're, you know, at Iowa or at USC or at Texas Tech or wherever, you've seen, by the time you're a junior or senior, because you have to go to college, you've seen class after class come in with several guys trying to take your job. And you eventually become kind of friends with certain guys, not friends with other, like just, you're somewhat numb to that scenario, right, in football, just the nature of how you have to come up to eventually, like if you're James Wiseman, they never brought anyone on the team that James Wiseman had to go, this guy's going to start over me. Yeah. His entire life. Where at, even if you're George Kittle at Iowa, like they brought in Fant and they brought in Hawkinson, right? By his second or third year. And he's just like, God damn. <laughs> it just never stops. And now with the portal, not that guys couldn't transfer before, but now it's not just freshmen who at least you have a head start on. Now it's guys that are... When I was like, Justin Fields and Trey Sermon just show exactly. up. You're like, what the hell? <laughs> you got Justin Fields here? Trey, if you're a running back at Ohio State, you're like, I'm going to be a starter. They're like, hey, uh, hey, James, uh, it looks like we just got this transfer. His uh, name's Trey Sermon from Oklahoma. You're like, what? And that's an, indi- is that a, then all of a sudden you're like, is that an indictment on me? And they don't think I'm good enough? Or is it just a nature of the beast? That's when you leave and I go think somewhere most, else. Yeah. Or you just beat the guy out. Uh, well, that's what's different about quarterback is there's no. It is a naturally shared, very competitive sport. You don't get to share carries, but it's the most competitive position because you don't get to share carries. Right. At quarterback? Yeah. Yeah. And you're the you are kind of held up to be the leader of the team. Like there's more to it than just being well, the best like player. Trey Sermon and Mozart can just immediately become friends and good buddies. Like we can do this together. Like it's really hard for Trey Sermon and Jimmy to be like, we can build this, right? <laughs> yeah, for Jimmy to say that to Trey, like Trey, you and me, baby. <laughs> Between us, I don't want to say anything to anybody else, but we'll, we'll the, go back to piece. last year. It was way different scenario, but. What happened in Philadelphia? Shit got weird between the two of them. Because it's like, well, is this guy the starting court? Like, what's happening here? Yeah, yeah. They're not apples-to-apples situations at all, but you can just, you have time and time again guys like, this guy became my rook, and we just became buddies, and we played together for three years, and I eventually got cut, and he became a star. But you're just, but most times you don't get like Alex Mahomes. It's usually like, yeah, it was good. No, weird. it's a lot easier for it to have, for you to develop that when there's no threat of the guy taking your job, right? Yeah, even like Tua Fitz is on like pretty easy scenario for both. Like what was Fitz? Even Fitz kind of wore it like this sucks. Fitz had never been it. like the future of the Miami Dolphins. Yeah. Right. Uh, okay, there, there were some mailback questions, John. We can hit a few more YouTubes to uh, tech on real quick. Uh, let's fire through from Sam. Is it possible if Tyrod didn't meet Dr. Needle and played all year, we would have heard nothing about Herbert? No, Herbert was going to play pretty soon. What do you think? Pretty soon? I, I felt like it, but maybe he wasn't. Maybe Anthony Lynn uh, wasn't going to do it. It was pretty clear watching their first, that Cincinnati game, that, that Herbert should be on the clock. But Yeah, I mean, if they started, you know, they didn't even win that much when Herbert got there, but it was clear he was good. If somehow with Tyrod they were you know three and three or something like Herbert, it would have taken him maybe midway through the season. Now if Tyrod had started one and five, one and six for sure. But Can you imagine if they'd waited till they were one and six, like at one I and four. They, maybe you're right. The decision was made for them, not by their own doing. Like they didn't like let's do this idea. It was forced on them. It's like what's wrong, Tyrod? I don't know. I just took a needle to the lung. Uh. Remember he was out for a little while too. It was like you know he's going to be out for a little while. Yeah, <laughs> pretty serious injury. Uh, on YouTube, did you guys see that from Six Letters? Did you guys see the photo on the Niners website with Lance under center and a little split out, 
oh, and Kittle split out, he might be getting first team reps already. Actually, for those of you on YouTube, somebody, uh, Dylan, DM'd me this photo the other day and was like, what do you think? So, yeah. People love diving into photos the team takes. and, and like. Did you see the photo? And, uh, I did not. Here, I wasn't. Let me uh, share the screen with you real quick while you make this point. I, I just think this is an NFL type thing. See it? But yeah. Uh, this is not like the Niners are not an outlier in this situation. I do think that the hardcore fans, when you just have situations like this, dive into team pictures and take them and, and read a lot into them. Like, what is going on? It could be as simple as like, Jimmy's back there talking about something else. And they're like, Trey, get in. You know, just the shoe, his shoelace organic. broke. Or just, they're just rotating. Like, George ran in with the three. Who knows? You know? But it's like, is this, is Trey already with the ones? Trey and George, they building the chemistry? George is sneaky kind of open-minded, I think. You watch him, he's going to pivot faster than you'd think. Whoever you need. He went from being Jimmy's homie to, like, he will be all in on Trey quick. Uh, Now, in fairness, what's he supposed to do? Yeah, what is he supposed to do? Uh, Jamie said, y'all see McGlinchey gained weight? Uh, so this was another photo, I think, from Niners.com. Oh, McGlinchey's looking like me and you. I don't know why I can't make it, size this thing a little better here. But uh, I, I don't. I, have we got an official he, weigh he in look, on this to confirm? He looks bigger for sure. He does. He? I I expected. I I did expect this to happen. I did. He lose. Did Kyle make him lose weight to begin with? Did Kyle want him to be? Did they go into last off season? Kyle's like, hey man, I want you to cut it down a little, and it hurt him. So. Is there a better feeling for a guy that's huge? And when you're huge, you're just naturally going to like to eat when they're like, we're going to need you to put on 10 pounds. You're like, okay, coach, I got you, Doug. <laughs> Honey, uh, I'll take another round. I'll get to work right now. <laughs> Probably pretty expensive if you live in the Bay Area with the obscene DoorDash prices. Like they have us like seven extra charges. Just get a chef. If you just need to order a meal, like you're getting three burgers. You get right? your chef. Fries. Yeah. Uh, Enrique says, can we get some Raider debates? Yeah, what what should what what debate should we be having? Gruden, Mayock, Carr, Hot go. Seat. <laughs> I think if Gruden has like four or five more years, John, that don't measure up, he could be on the hot seat. But yeah, I mean, when there's topics, let us know what you want us to debate. I saw Derek playing pool basketball a couple weeks ago with uh, Hunter Renfro and David in in Vegas. Yeah, it looked like his backyard's pretty sweet. Uh, remember, remember the video of the cars throwing footballs like over the house? Wasn't David throwing a football over the house a couple years ago? Yeah, they're like a uh, mansion in Bakersfield. Dominic says, uh, "Hey there, fellas. Jets need a backup for Kyle Will- uh, for Zach Wilson. Still, would you? Wh- who would you run after if you're Joe Douglas? A play for Jimmy G, Minshew, Foles, just for mentor purposes. Well, Foles is going to be available uh, at some point soon. So that's actually Post June one cut. Foles is you know the other thing Foles." Religious guy. I don't know if I don't. I, I, sorry, I don't want to make the assumptions on. You know, I don't. Uh, how, I don't. Uh, is he Mormon? No, he's not Mormon. Just I said religious. No, no, no. I, I didn't mean Foles. I meant Zach. Oh, good question. Did you see the thing going viral? They have. I shouldn't assume, but you wouldn't be like, oh, you know, we got this Jewish guy. Let's get him over here with the Mormon. So I don't know. Well, yeah, they they had a mullet offensive lineman. The, the whole crew it looked like went to the Islander game either Friday or Saturday. All the Jets. And one of their linemen, you know, went back to Yari on a beer. And Zach was right next to him. Now, I did, Zach, I didn't see in the video was drinking. I just guess, like, I wonder if he's not a Mormon, but I don't know. The dude slammed a beer fast. 
But I would say on a basic level, just I think Foles would be a good mentor. That's not a terrible thought. Yeah, that you need Minshew, to get Minshew, I would say no. Um, Jimmy? Uh, yeah. I, don't, I just don't know how that one would come together exactly. In the yeah, immediate. I don't think that's coming together. Um, who else is out to there? To me, you you would like a Fitzpatrick, uh, a Foles. A you would like a guy, an older guy, a, yeah, a high-level guy. You need someone around. That, that would be a very, very tough position to play if you didn't have like a 34 year old to just talk to about life like bro what's going on <laughs> you know there's a lot happening it, it has to be very comforting to just have ryan fitzpatrick in your room even a joe flacco now his personality has to be right like he can't just be like he's just there for the paycheck not being a nice to you that that feeling of just being someone you can ask questions to yeah. like a mccown of fitzpatrick and he's nice to you and he can just be like hey man just well, you can trust not to you want to come over? My wife will make you dinner tonight. Yes, thank God. I don't know where to eat. You just uh, you're swimming. You're like he keeps yelling at me. Does he hate me? Is Jacoby Brissett on a t- on on the Colts still? Uh, that's a great. I think he says he's on the Dolphins. Jacoby is. Yeah, that's what his wiki says. Are we sure that Jacoby Brissett won't beat out to him? Okay, sign one year one year five million with Miami. Uh, that's a pretty good signing for Miami. Yeah. yeah. Like, shouldn't the Jets have been all over that? I would have given him, like, seven. He's a high-level guy. That, to me, is a no-brainer. Has I played. actually think he's not... Is he making enough money? Uh, Yeah, he's probably right at the price point. Well, but, you know what, John? This, so, this other article says seven and a half, so I don't... I don't know which it is. I, I like that. That's I didn't... I. Must have missed that one. Jim Smart says move by the Dolphins. Uh, over under f- 0.5 snaps for D Ford this year. I would probably go under. He's I'm got go over. He's come back. He gets hurt in a in. He makes it to a preseason game and he gets hurt in a preseason game and he never plays. Oh, again. we're not counting preseason That's, games. Okay. Yeah, let's count real games. I bet he never makes it. That'd be my guess. Uh, Sam says Raiders question is Mariota stuck in Vegas. No options for him. I mean, yeah, he, it looks like he is. I I thought um, I it looked like for a second they were gonna cut him, and then he came back. And there aren't there aren't Bizarre. aren't a lot of great spots. I mean, it's just hard for a quarterback. It's everyone needs one, but there aren't really that many spots, particularly if you're kind of an in between guy. New Orleans would have been interesting, I think. Him and Jameis together. They were they were kind of stuck though because they got Taysom yeah. and they have Jameis. Can I read you this Phil quote? He must have said in his post press conference. Okay. I fast thirty six hours every week, so I give up all food for a day and a half. Let my body kind of reset. Hmm. It's pretty impressive. That is sounds like one of the most difficult things on earth to do. Yeah, I mean, it's... 36 hours as like everyone's just like eating chicken. Your kids are just having chicken nuggets. That's that's impressive. I'd have to I if can... I was going to do that, I'd have to go to like a I'd have to go lock my I'd have to go by myself somewhere to some other condo I have with nothing in the fridge. I couldn't be around the I family. Get... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get in these zones where I can do it for like 12 hours, sometimes like 18. And then it's hard to you fall off. That's impressive. 36? I couldn't go that long. I get too hungry. No way. All right. On that note, uh, thanks for hanging on the YouTube, everybody. Check out the podcast if you're on the YouTube. If you're on the podcast, check out the YouTube. As always, we appreciate when you share it with people. 
grassroots. Uh, that that's always appreciated as well. So, save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for 4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca Cola, Pepsi, or Seven Up. All with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.